0: Well, these are our family worship services. We believe that, that kids at a pretty young age are able to begin to appreciate and understand and participate in worship. And so during these uh, summer Sundays, we're trying to help kids, families uh, participate in worship together. So glad you're here and that... Uh, that we can worship God together. So we're going to be kind of aiming things at, um, at children a little bit today. I was thinking about a game that I used to play when I was a kid that I really liked. It was the game tag. You guys like to play tag. You remember how to play tag? That if I'm it, then I start running and I and I chase you. And if I catch you, then I tag you. And then you're it. And then you have to run and catch somebody else and tag them, and so you sort of pass the, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sort of uh, pass on the the <coughs> the tag, you know, from somebody else when you're playing the game. You you catch them that way, you know. There are some. Excuse me. Some sicknesses and illnesses that are like that too. That if you have them, you know, then you tag somebody and then, (laughs) then they might get that, that same sickness too. It's, it's called a contagious disease if it's like that. And in the Bible, there was a terrible disease that was like that. It was called leprosy. And a person who had leprosy was called a leper. And leprosy, one of the things that was so bad about it is that if you had leprosy, then if you came in contact with somebody else, kind of like playing tag, you might pass on the leprosy to that person, and they would become a leper too. So if you were a leper in Bible times, you wanted people to know that you had leprosy so they wouldn't come in contact with you, so you had to go around yelling this word. Can anybody read what that says? Unleprosy. Clean, unclean, that's right. So if I had leprosy, and if I came like to church, I'd have to say, unclean, unclean, so you'd know that you should stay away from me. And one of the terrible things with leprosy, like people's, people's like their noses would fall off, or the ears, or their fingers. And so they would have to kind of cover themselves, because they looked so bad and so scary to people. They would sometimes have to take that cloth and kind of put it over their faces like this. So they wouldn't scare people because they look so bad and they call it unclean, unclean. Now the story we're going to be looking at today is about four men who had leprosy in the Old Testament. And they were in a city called Samaria. And remember this is about 800 years before the time of Jesus. And so Israel, God's chosen people, were really divided into two nations. The southern nation was called Judah and its capital city where the temple was... What does anybody know what the capital city was? Where the temple was? Jerusalem. That's right. That was the capital city in Jerusalem. In the, in the northern kingdom, the capital city was called Samaria. And Samaria was a city with big, strong walls all around it. And one of the nice things about having a city like that was that if your enemies, like an army, came to attack you, everybody would run into the city and they'd close the gates and then they know they were safe inside the city walls. Well, the story that we're looking at today involves a time when an enemy army came to attack the city of Samaria. And they were from, they were Arameans and their king's name was Ben Hadad. So if your dad's name was Ben and you wanted him, you'd say, Ben, hey dad. See? So remember that king's name. Ben, hey That was the king's name. The, the army came to capture the city of Samaria. All the people ran inside the city of Samaria. They got up on the walls and they felt really safe. So they'd kind of look out at the at the Aramean army, and they'd say, Ha ha, you guys can't get in here, you can't capture us. We've got these big walls to keep you out. And the Aramean army and Ben-Hadad called up, Yeah, well you can't get out either. Oh, that's right. They were trapped in the city, and pretty soon they were going to run out of food to eat. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, the Bible describes in some ways that we won't talk about this morning. They were so hungry and they had so little to eat, people were actually starving to death. One of the things that it mentions is that they were eating like the head of a donkey. Can you imagine imagine eating a donkey's head? Here, you take the ear and uh, you take that ear. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? They didn't have anything to eat. Now, God said he was going to change that situation, though. And there was a man of God whose name was Elisha. He was a prophet, and he's in the city of Samaria, and God gave him this message to give to the king. And this story is found in the 7th uh, chapter of 2 Kings, and the verses we're going to be looking at are in the bulletin. They're going to be on the screen, or you might want to grab a Bible and turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. Here's what Elijah said. This is right at the beginning of the chapter. It says, Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a seah of flour will sell for a shekel, and two sias of barley, a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, we don't know what those words mean, maybe, but it means that food is going to be so abundant and so cheap, everybody will have it. I mean, you'll be able to buy a sandwich for a nickel and, and some ice cream for a penny, And that's what it says next. An officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elijah, but you will not eat of it. So God says, even though you don't have anything to eat today and we're eating all this terrible stuff just trying to stay alive, God says tomorrow everybody will have enough food to eat. And the king's bodyguard says, that's impossible. I mean, even if God would open the floodgates of heaven, that couldn't happen. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? You ever ever see that? The guy is saying, even if we're cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, like meatballs falling down from the heavens, there couldn't possibly be enough to eat. And Elijah says to him, oh, it's going to happen, all right, and you're going to see it, but you won't get to eat any of it. Now, I was saying our story is actually about four lepers. And they're at the city of Samaria. But because they have leprosy, they're not inside the city. They're right outside the city gates. They probably had a little tent or maybe a little hut that they had built in which they lived. And these four lepers were outside the city and they're trying to figure out what to do. So I sort of picture them sitting there thinking, you know, maybe we should go into the city. I mean, it's no use staying out here. And one of the others says, Yeah, but if we go in there, I mean, we're just going to starve to death like everybody else. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, and then somebody else said, uh, Well, why don't we go down to the enemy army camp? I mean, well, if we go down there, they'll probably just kill us. Well, yeah, but, but maybe if we went down there, they'd have pity on us and they'd give us some food. So all day they argued about what to do. And finally, when evening came they decided, let's do it. Let's go down to the enemy camp and tell them we're lepers and just ask them if they would give us something to eat. So they headed down to the enemy camp and they're probably yelling out, unclean, unclean. They got to the enemy camp, Uncle- unclean, but there was nobody there. Nobody at all in the enemy camp. The whole army was gone. Those guys were so excited. They looked in one of the tents. There were no soldiers. Ah, but there was something. There was food. You guys, come over here. Look, there's food to eat. They started grabbing the food. And Duffing it in their mouths. It was so good. They hadn't had anything to eat for so long. There were sandwiches and there was meat and cheese. And, 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 and fruit to eat. And, and pizza and Twinkies. And they're eating all this really good stuff. Mm, it was so good. And then one of the other guys checks. And one of the other tens and He says, Hey, you guys. Come over here. Look, on, Look at this. Look. It's a sword. Whoa!" And... And gold and silver, there was money there and and swords and food to eat. It was so great. And they're eating all the food and they're looking at all this stuff. And then one of the other guys says, hey, you know what we ought to do? We ought to take some of this money, this gold and silver and swords and stuff. And we could take them and we could take them and bury them where nobody would know where they are. I mean, we'd still have leprosy, but we'd be rich lepers. So they grabbed up armfuls of stuff and they're eating the food and they take it over. And they bury it in the ground. And they go back again and they eat some more stuff. Oh, here's some stuff, come on. They take the money and they take it and bury it. Pretty soon after they've done this for a while, they start to feel guilty. So here's what happens. We're going to look again in chapter 7 of Second Kings. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance to the city gate. And they said to each other, Why stay here till we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. I mean, if they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. And then verse 9. And then they said to each other, we're not doing the right thing. This is a, a day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So in the midst of eating all this food and finding all this money, they realize, boy, good news like this. We ought to tell the people in the city. I mean, those are our brothers and sister Israelites there, and they're starving to death, and there's all this food out here that they could be eating. So they decide they're going to go back to the city. So they leave the enemy camp, and they walk back to the city, and they pound on the city gates. And there's a guard up on top of the city wall. And he looks down. He says, Yeah, who's out there? Well, um, you know those four lepers out here by the gate? That's us. Yeah, well, what do you want? It's the middle of the night. Well, um, we were just down at the enemy camp, at the army camp, and they're all gone. You're kidding. The army is all gone? Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. But anyway, there's lots of food and stuff down there. And so we just thought we ought to tell the king about it. So I think I also said, oh, well, okay. Hey, Ezekiah, my God. See, they had really strange names. We'll call him Fred. Hey, Fred, you remember those four lepers outside the gate? Yeah, those are the ones. Well, they're out here and they're saying that the army's gone from the from the whole camp and there's food out there. Well, yeah, better go tell the king. So he tells George, and then George is one of the palace guards, and he tells the king's servant about the news, and the king's servant goes into the king, and the king's asleep because it's the middle of the night. Um, excuse me, sire, I uh, hate to wake you up. Yeah, um, you know those four lepers that uh, live outside the city wall? Yeah, well, they... They say that they went down to the enemy camp and the army is all gone and there's food there for everybody. Whoa, the king woke up. He's excited about this is amazing. Oh, wait a minute, he said. Wait just a minute. I bet this is a trap. I mean, I know what that king is like. And what was the king's name? Ben. Ben Ben-Hadad. I know what King Ben-Hadad is like. I bet he's trying to trick us. I bet the soldiers are just hiding somewhere and they know that we're so hungry, we're starving to death, that we're going to run out there to try to get some of the food and then they're going to attack us. Yeah, we better not go out there. Well, maybe we could send a few people out there. So he decided what he would do. We, they would cook, hook up a couple of their chariots to some horses. And by the way, there were not many horses left in the city because they had been eating the horses. yeah. Horses he had left, they hooked them up to the chariots and they sent some guys out there. And they said, okay, go down and check the enemy camp and see if the soldiers are really gone. But then the king said, but don't just look in the camp because maybe they're hiding out somewhere else. So these guys got on the chariot and they opened the city gates and they rode down to where the enemy camp was. And they rode in, nobody there. So then they rode over to the hills and they looked behind the hills and nobody was hiding there. And they went to the forest to make sure nobody was hiding behind the trees. And then they rode back to the city and they told everybody the good news. It's true. The army is gone and there's food and everything down there. People were so excited. Now, you remember at the beginning, the king's bodyguard who said, I don't believe that God can provide food for us. Well, he was standing there at the city gate, and when the word came back that there was food down there in the enemy camp, everybody rushed out, and he was trampled and killed. So he saw that God had done a miracle in providing food for the people, but he never got to taste it. Now, I think there's some important things that we could learn from this story. One of them is that God can do impossible things even if we don't understand how he's going to do it. Remember when we were looking at the story of Jonah and the whale and we learned that God can do what? Anything. God can do anything. And sometimes we don't know how God is going to answer our prayers, but we can know that God is able to do anything. So this guy who was the king's bodyguard, when he was told that God was going to give them all the food they needed the very next day, He thought about it and he thought, nope, there's no way God could do that. But God had a way, didn't he? And sometimes when we pray and ask God to help us, we don't understand how God could possibly answer that prayer. But our God is a God who can do anything. Our God is a God who is so big that he can do miracles that we would never have dreamed of. In the same way that God provided food for the people in the city of Samaria, God can answer our prayers in ways that we might not expect. The other thing I think we need to remember from this story is that when we have good news, it's wrong not to share that good news with others. Do you remember two weeks ago we had a video about one of Orchard Hill's heroes, a guy named Doug Oberman? Remember Doug had polio when he was a little boy? And so he's in a wheelchair and he can't use his arms and, and he's pretty limited in what he can do. I remember when polio was really bad in our country. And polio is one of those diseases like leprosy that you can spread to one person to another. So Doug and I are about the, the same age. And I remember back when we were kids that like in the summer we couldn't go to the swimming pool because our parents were afraid that we would get polio That we'd come in contact with somebody who had polio and that we might get polio too. It was a really scary time. And then an amazing thing happened. A man named Jonas Salk invented a vaccine that would keep people from getting polio. So if you got this vaccine, if they gave you a shot of this polio vaccine, you would never get polio. It was amazing news. Everybody in the country was so excited. But what if Jonas Salk had not told people the good news? What if he'd done this? What if he'd called his family and said, Hey, wife, g- kids, come here a minute. Listen, I know everybody's really afraid that maybe we're going to get polio, but I found a vaccine. And if you take this vaccine, we're not going to get polio. So here, I gave myself a shot. Let me give you a shot of vaccine and you and you. Now none of us are going to get polio. Hey, but don't tell anybody, okay? This is going to be our secret. Wouldn't that have been a terrible thing? To have wonderful news like that that could have changed everybody's lives in the country and not to tell anybody about it? You know, we have good news too, don't we? We have news that God loves us and that Jesus died on the cross for us. Wouldn't it be a sad thing if we never told anybody? You know, when I was a kid, my parents had just become Christians. And they found out the good news about Jesus. But what if they hadn't wanted us to tell anybody? I mean, what if my mom and dad had called my brother and my sister and me together? and They said, hey, Janet, come here. Roger, um, Eddie. Um, Eddie, come here. All right, now listen, you guys. We got some great news for you. Yeah, we just have been going to this church down the street. And we found out that God loves us. Yeah. In fact, he proved that he loved us when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And by trusting in Jesus and asking God to forgive our sins, God forgives us and comes to live in us and we can be his followers. And not only that, when we die, we know that God has a place for us in heaven. Isn't that great news? But hey, listen, kids. It's going to be our secret, all right? Don't tell anybody about this. That's just for us to know. Wouldn't that be sad? It'd be like those four lepers going and down and finding all of that food and not telling all those people who were starving. God's given us some really good news, and God wants us to share it with others. So maybe you could think about that this week. Maybe you could think if there's somebody else that you'd like to share the good news with. Maybe somebody who doesn't know Jesus or doesn't understand that God loves them. You may not have all the answers, and it might seem a little scary to talk to somebody about Jesus. But maybe if you prayed and asked God to show you who you could tell and ask you to help you to do it in a good way, that might be one of the things that God would want you to do. Maybe one of the steps you could take would be to invite them to come, like to our family service, or to come to some other event here at Orchard Hill. We want people to know the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the best news in the world, and God wants us to share it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for a minute, and we're going to thank God for this good news and ask for His help in sharing it with others. So let's pray. Lord God, You are the creator of the universe. There's nothing You can't do. And sometimes when we pray and we're having troubles and we ask for Your help, Uh, We don't understand how you could possibly help us in that situation. But we saw today again that you are a God who can do miracles. And even when we don't understand how you might do it, we can have faith and believe that you are a God who is so great and so big and so loving that you're able to help us even in the worst of situations. As a psalmist said in Psalm 23, even when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to be afraid. God, we thank You that You showed Your love for us in sending Jesus to die for us. And we probably all got friends, our neighbors, kids that we play with, uh, people that we work with who don't know about Your love. And it's kind of scary sometimes to think about telling them about You, but help us to do that. Help us to show them by the way that we live, by the way that we love them, and by the things that we say to them to help them to know that they have a Father in Heaven too who loves them and sent His Son to die for them as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.